Uh, Romans chapter, Romans chapter, chapter, chapter four, verse thirteen. We'll just hit these real quick. I think I've already hit them. For the promise that he should, Father, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for letting us come to church tonight, Lord. Thank you for uh, you got con full control over everything that's going on. We don't have to worry about a thing. Lord, our hair don't have to turn one more bit gray for anything we worry about. We don't have to lose anything, pull it out, scared. Go home, go to sleep tonight, Lord. I thank you for never having to go home, going to sleep, worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, Lord, I know you got tomorrow's in your hand. Uh, Lord, everything's there. Uh, Lord, all I got to worry, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I just got to worry about getting me through the day, Lord, and uh, put up a garage door or getting a parking lot done or, or stuff, simple stuff, Lord, nothing hard. You got all the hard stuff, Lord. Uh, all we got to do is learn how to love you, cherish you, and Father, uh, keep our joy that we could tell somebody else about you. And Father, again, thank you for your blessings tonight. And everybody came out. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, did you say Angela was or wasn't coming? She is. Okay, cool. So that's fine. You can do whatever. 13, for the promise that he should be heir of the world. So the promise went to Abraham because of what he did was because of what he did. He got to the point all the way up. So it was a series of things he did that got him up to the point where he actually was going to sacrifice Isaac on the, on the mountainside. It wasn't all that. He left Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, he believed God. It was counted for him to righteousness. But the finally seal that dealed, sealed the deal with Abraham was when he took Isaac up the side of the mountain. He got ready to poke him with a knife, and the Lord stopped him and said, okay, we're done with that thing. So he got the promise that the world, the world would be his. Uh, there's a lot of verses, I was telling uh, 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 Brother Joe about that, Harris, is that there's a lot of verses that sometimes in John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the world at that time was people. But there's other verses in the Bible where when he talks about the world, he's talking about physical, literal dirt. Well, that's Jewish. It's going to be the Jews. The Jews are going to get it. We're going to get the new, uh, new, uh, new Jerusalem is going to come down. Uh, 1,500 by 1,500 by 1,500 square miles. It's going to be sitting down on the earth like a triangle, like that, probably. And it's going to sit there, and that's where we're going to live. And the Gentiles are going to get the universe. That's, that's Deuteronomy 419. That's exactly what's going to happen. So the Lord's already set the thing up. So he's, he's telling Abraham, you're going to get this. People think, well, we're going to get this. God's got something for all of us. You know, you, when he, one of the Ten Commandments, go to Exodus 20. This is free. This don't cost you nothing here, which, which is you won't. This will be absolutely no charge. Exodus 20. We, we have a problem as humans. You know, I don't really care. Like I just said about those buildings. I don't care. I, I was sitting there in LexisNexis when those two buildings fell. And... Don't get me wrong, but it, it didn't affect me like it affected everybody else. I didn't really care. Uh, there is every time you snap your fingers, there's somebody on this planet dying. 60 seconds, 60 people die. Probably more than 60. Every time you snap your fingers, somebody dies on this planet. Nobody ever cares about none of them. I mean, all over the country, they just die. All over the world, they're just dying. Dying left and right. Dying, dying, dying. 60 a, a minute, 60 times 60 is 3,600 an hour are dying on this planet. Times 10 is 36,000. Uh, you're, you're looking at right at about 100,000 people a day die on this planet, probably more than that. That's probably a conservative number. So when you're talking about 3,000 people, it, the, the, the all of it scares us, and it, it, it brings a fear in. But Exodus, when you get to Exodus, he gives you the Ten Commandments. Uh, down at verse 15, uh, that, go to 16, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet... Thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not uh, covet thy neighbor's wife, thou, nor his, uh, 
uh, manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is, is thy neighbor's. God has something for each and every one of us. You don't have to worry about what somebody else has got. He's already got something for you. The problem with us is we, we're so narrow-minded. I'm not talking about you guys because y'all are all saints. But, but the human nature, we're so narrow-minded that we see what somebody else gets and we're so limited on our ability to look at the future and actually have a vision that, hey, thank God they got that, man. I'll get mine someday. I'm afraid to get mine someday, but I'll get mine someday. Uh, and you'll get yours someday too, but why in the world would you worry about what somebody else has? That just causes uh, heartache and pain. So uh, the world is given to the Jews, and, the, and everybody has been fighting for that piece of dirt over there ever since uh, God gave it to them. That's theirs. As a matter of fact, the whole planet is theirs. It's all going to be theirs. Uh, we don't have to worry about one thing. They're going to get it all. Uh, Jacob is going to rule and reign down here. We're going to get New Jerusalem, the churches, and then it's going to move on down the road. But he goes on, he says, uh, for the, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham's faith is what God looked at that got him to where he was at. Verse 14, for if they which were of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, verse 15, for the, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now there's your baby verse. You ought to memorize that verse right there. That's, that's your baby verse. That's... We, we freak out about abortion, but we never stop one minute and think about God. In God's perspective, when it comes to a, a young child dying, I believe, people say, well, what do you believe? Me and Dr. Roman got in a fight one time. Uh, I thought he was going to kick me out of school. There's several times I thought he was going to kick me out of school, but he liked my answer so well that he didn't. <laughs> but we sit there talking, he goes, and now you all going to say the baby leaped in the womb and all that. I said, yeah, man, yeah. I said, hey, I'll fight with you on that. And he goes, okay, tell us, Elliot. So I said, okay, you want to know? I said, I'll tell you what. He thinks, Dr. Roman, now see, you got to look at a man sometimes. They're not always right. They're not always wrong. He thinks that if you take Adam and you have the circumstance out there, and it says the Adam breathed in the breath, he breathed in the Adam the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So here's Adam, a dirt ball, animated dirt ball. He blew in him the breath of life, and he arose. He says, well, baby, don't get that breath of life till they stick their head out of the mother's womb and they take the first breath. I said, that's wrong. So he got really mad, spitting popcorn all over the place. And he wasn't real, real mad, but he was, he was like, oh, how dare you? Oh, how dare you uh, uh, contradict me? I said, no. He goes, oh, wait a second. Uh, tell us what you think, Mr. Elliot. I said, sure. I said, so, I said, he, Adam was an exception to the rule. And you always tell us not to set a doctrine on an exception. That's an exception. There has never been anybody else that's ever been made like that. Adam was made out of dirt. He was a dirt man laying on the ground. He was dirt. And God breathed him in the breath of life. He became a living soul. Eve wasn't made like that. He, out of Eve, he took a bone out of Adam's rib and gave, took the rib and formed a woman out of it. And he brought Adam back to life. And there's Eve. I said, Eve wasn't made like anybody ever made. I said, so those are two exceptions to the rule. And you can't necessarily use those people. He goes, so then what are you going to use? I said, it's this. I said, when he took that bone out of Adam, in that bone was marrow, blood, uh, oxygen, DNA. Everything was in that thing right there that you would need to recreate another being. So if you could create this one out of dirt, then you could easily take that one and make that bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and you could create Eve. Then in the process, you can tweak it just a hair to make her have a child where he did not or he would not have the child. He'd be the father. She'd be the mother. And the two would come together and have kids. He goes, okay, where are you going to go with the rest of it? I said, now, when, she, when they get pregnant, a woman, I said, this is what the medical says. 
that the, the sperm fertilizes the egg? He goes, yes. I said, that's not a baby yet. I said, I'll get you that's a fetus. I'll go with that one. And then I said, but that little baby, man, has, that little egg has this little thing comes off and called a, an umbilical cord. It attaches to the mother's uterus. And the moment it attaches, however long that, that time frame is, do you know how long it takes that to happen? Mr. Doctor over in the corner? Okay, so however long it takes that to do it, at that point it starts drawing oxygen off the mother's womb. Out of the womb, is that correct? Yeah. Okay, I said right there. That meets the requirement that Adam had. Breathe in him the breath of life. and he I said that, that baby, I think, right there becomes a baby in the womb. And that could be two weeks, it could be two days, it could be six months. I have no idea. Whatever it takes that umbilical cord. And uh, he goes, that's good, man. He stopped me. He actually looked at me. He said, that's good. He goes, he said, class, 180 people there. He said, class, that was good. He said he used the Bible. He never contradicted. From Genesis to Revelation, never contradicts the scriptures. He goes, I don't know if I believe him or not. He said, but it does sound good. He goes, and he used medical and science. He never threw that out. Right there, brother, he says, because the law worketh wrath, for where there is no law, the there is no transgression. Every baby that ever died went right to heaven. I mean, I mean, gone. You think about all those little babies over in Africa that raise, get raised and live and die in the perversions that they die, and around the world that live and die in the perversions that they're raised in, and they go right to hell. Would it not be better, honestly, honestly, think about it in God's perspective, that that child go to heaven instead of going to hell? Or would we rather see them grow up and go to hell? See, we look at things totally different, totally wrong from where God looks at it, and if you look at it in perspective, he never holds that child at fault for something it did not do. Right there, he says, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Until you come to the age of accountability, and then I like this one too, Doc said, I don't think nobody comes to the age of accountability until they're like 43 now. <laughs> this was back in 89, 90, 91. Uh, used to, about 12, 10, 11, 12, a kid. Anymore, you talk to people, it's like, something's wrong with you, man. <laughs> You're not accountable yet. But anyways, that's a great verse to remember that. Uh, the promise was to him, uh, the Jew, Gentile, and the church. So now let's go to 16, verse 16. I'm going to bust through these real quick because I want to get through this chapter and get into chapter 5. Uh, therefore, 16, therefore it is faith that it might not, uh, might be by, therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but that which is also the faith of Abraham, which is the father of us all. That's to everybody. So faith, it is faith. In the Old Testament, it is faith. In the New Testament, it is faith. In the Old Testament, it is grace. In the New Testament, it is grace. But there's a different way Abraham got it than you, and I get it today, and we talked about that. Uh, 17, as it is written, I have made thee father of many nations before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. The case here is Abraham, Abraham, uh, Abraham, as far as the, uh, we're going to get ready to get into some stuff here about Abraham, uh, which I always thought was uh, fascinating, and Paul brings it up here in Romans, uh, but it, it goes to show you the level of, of Abraham's faith. The case here, of course, is Abraham, as, as far as reproduction is, was concerned, Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah was 90. Uh, you tell a lady she's going to have a baby at 50 years old, and she'll look at you like, ah, well, Sarah's 90 years old, and their part, their bodies, they, they already knew that they were well past, long past childbearing. 
Uh, verse 18, who against hope? There was no hope that he was going to have a child. There's no hope. I mean, it wasn't even thought, it wasn't even in his mind. He said, against, who's, uh, against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. Now, uh, you need to get to the place in your life where, uh, and I'm going to talk about a bunch of that here shortly, is faith. Uh, I can speak about faith my whole life. I mean, I think faith is more important just about anything in your Bible. I think salvation, number one, is what you need. Uh, salvation is, is going to get you into heaven. But without faith, it says, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself is the gift of God. The faith is from God. Uh, you can't get saved without a measure of faith. You can't do it. So faith is, is, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when you get to the place where you start worrying about what's going to happen, they're all you hear, oh, the, uh, Biden's all worried that Trump's going to get in. Uh, and I, I heard a commentator today talking. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I'm sitting there listening. I said, what a strange thing. They're all worried that Biden, Trump is going to get back in and do to them what he did, they did to him. And they say, well, when he gets in, all he's going to do. And you listen to both sides and like, are you guys nuts or what? I mean, when he gets in, he's just going to use the government to make money for his family. I'm like, isn't that what Biden's doing right now in front of everybody? And that's okay. And now they're worried about him getting back in. I'm like, Lord, people spend their whole lives worried about all this stuff. You know what I care about? Getting a garage door opener up on the garage door up here. That's all I care about. I got, I got eight or nine people come up. Uh, when's that house going to be done? When's the apartment's going to be done? When can I move in? Either? I said, I don't have a clue, man. Don't ask me. Go ask. I'm trying to find somebody else I can tell them to go ask. Uh, but you just wake up in the morning, and you do what you can do in the morning. You go to bed at night. Against hope, there was no hope. Abraham sit up on the side of the mountain. Great example. Lot went down to the city. Cities aren't a good thing. But anyways, against hope, believed in hope. Because the Lord said he's going to have one. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So God told him something, and Abraham believed it. Abraham had a walk with God that got him to where he was at. So when he got to the place out there somewhere where the Lord started getting serious with him and telling him some stuff, Abraham already had a walk. The Lord's not going to come into your life immediately. And I'm going to get into this. If I can get through this, I'm going to get into that here shortly. Every piece of your Bible ties together for you to use to get you through this life. It is not for you to go out on a street corner and beat somebody over the head with the Bible. That's not what it's there for. The Bible is for me to learn how to walk through this planet. The guy came in here today to do, uh, do the fire extinguishers. And uh, he goes, he calls me up and says, hey, can I come over and look at your fire extinguisher today? I said, sure. So he's from Mega Fire, whatever it is. And he goes, is Tim and Robin still go here? I said, oh, yeah, they still go here. He goes, you know, many, many years ago, I used to go to church with Tim and Robin. I said, where do you go to church down? He goes, we, we've been out for a while. I said, man, I said, I know a good church you ought to go to. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you do? I said, yeah, Tim, Tim and Robin still here. love it, man. I said, we love Tim. We love Robin. They, uh, they're very, they're very uh, active in the church. They do all kinds of stuff. Irritate me to no ends, but they're here. They always want, 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 want. They're just another little sheep out there that just wants, 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 wants. And they want me to give them one, 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 one. And this one over here wants, wants, wants. I said, but anyways, we was laughing. And the guy was sitting there listening to me, and we were sitting there talking. And I said, you know what, what we've missed the whole thing is we build a church for people like you to come in. And we started talking about it. He goes, these other churches, brother, he goes, they're all messed up. I said, yep, they sure are, man. There's issues. There are issues. Each one may have a different kind of issue, but there are issues out there where the, the pastors are trying to get the church to serve them instead of the other way around where the pastor is serving the church. It isn't that I'm supposed, you're supposed to serve me. It's never intended for you to serve me. It is intended for you to serve Jesus Christ. I'm sitting here trying to get you to that place. 
and then get you off my plate so I can work with somebody else and get them to where they're serving Jesus Christ. And then if we're all serving Jesus Christ, could you imagine what he could do with a bunch of sheep that are serving Jesus Christ? But it takes faith. It's built piece by piece. It's like building a building. You don't build the building from the top down. You build it from the bottom up. Foundation, all that stuff. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not. Abraham had that. Lot did not have it. You know what Lot saw? The immediate. And he couldn't let go of the immediate for what he saw. Abraham said, take what you want. Why, well, yet God, what more could I possibly want? He could give me everything I need anyways. He's got it all, man. I said, so take it all. You can have it all. You take what you want, and he goes and ends up in a mess. Abraham sits up on the side of the mountain. The Lord comes talk to him. That's the most blessed thing you've ever seen. Abraham had no hope. And in verse 19, it says, and being not weak in faith. So then your faith, when you first get saved, is so small but it's big enough that you could trust Jesus Christ, has to change. It can't stay there. If it stays there, you're going to be anemic. You're going to be retarded. And see, we say that people say, oh, he called me retarded. Yeah, spiritually, you'd be a retard. And you don't want to be retarded, so you got to grow. But so many times, our churches don't do that. Uh, uh, who was I talking to earlier? Somebody I was talking to earlier today. Uh, I was talking about two or three people, but churches... They'll get them in, and then they'll let them do whatever they want to do. The pastor's job is to feed the sheep, feed the flock, say, hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. seems like everything is wrong. Uh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is right. Uh, this is right, this is right, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, wrong, right, 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 wrong. And then the people will do whatever they're going to do. But when the pastor starts saying, oh, well, it's okay for you to do all this stuff. And, and I, I mean, it's like me, uh, I heard somebody, I think it was Brother Rich. If I come to church in shorts, and I'm going to preach to you guys in shorts and a T-shirt. I don't think you'd really take me as serious as you do if I didn't have, if I got a suit on. I don't think you would. Some of these pastors think it's perfect. And you know what? Now there's, I don't care if he comes to church. But the problem is, is what he's doing is he's giving the impression out to everybody else out here that you can go a thousand miles further away from that. So now you can come dressed any way you want. It doesn't really matter. And I'm sitting there going, it does. And the Lord sits here, it's faith. That's the difference between Abraham and Lot. So Abraham's got a, a measure of faith. And being not weak in faith. So Abraham's down the road a ways from where he first started. And he's down the road a ways from Ur of the Chaldees. He's down the road a ways from before that. I believe the Lord was dealing with him before that. And he, he's out, out here uh, sitting on the side of the mountain. The Lord says, hey, uh, Sarah's going to have a, a baby next year. Being not weak in faith, he considered on his own body, now dead. Like, okay. You said that, I said, I can't. So, Lord, I mean, maybe you're going to give me some young woman out there and she's going to get pregnant. Uh, Sarah's already is gone past, so he didn't have a problem with that. Uh, he goes, but when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So the Lord said, no, no, Sarah's going to have a baby. And Sarah laughed and goes, why'd you laugh? Oh, I didn't laugh. You lying dog, you. You did so. I just heard you laugh. Michael Gable, did you hear her laugh? I heard her laugh. Abraham's like, oh, Lord, have mercy on it. The last time somebody did that, you, I mean, can you take another rib? And, oh, no. <laughs> he goes on, he goes, he staggered not at the promise. Said, Brother, we got to get to the place where our minds go strictly on God. Okay, I see where the problem is, but I've got all this stuff behind me that I remember what you did. And sometimes I find myself in positions in life where uh, the devil, or just me, it could be just normal everyday life, but I feel like the pressures are so great that... I, all of a sudden, I'm like, what do I do? I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Lord's always got me out of this stuff. He's always, I remember all that. He's always got me out of this stuff. 
or show me what to do. And if he's not showing me what to do, then I just need to endure sufficient of the days of evil there. Just endure another minute or two or another day. Get through this day and then I'll go through the next one. And eventually, just like all these other times, he'll show me what to do. And one of these days, this will be one of those things and I'll be out here with these same problems. And this will be one of those things that I'll remember that he did that will get me through this up here. That's where faith comes in. You have to have faith. You can't get that any other way. I'm sorry, I cannot give you a pill, and, and you take the pill, and all of a sudden you get a measure of faith. It don't work that way. You have to learn yourself how to walk. Is that not true, brother? That man right there has been in a country where the war is going on, and you have to learn how to wake up in the morning and do what the Lord Jesus Christ tells you to do and, and really not consider, you can consider what everybody else thinks, but you got to still do what God says. And, and what you do when you do that, he gives you a measure of faith. And another measure of faith. And, another me and pretty soon you're doing stuff. People say, how can you do that? Do what? You feel like you're not doing anything. I feel like I'm not doing anything special. Uh, I, I, I tell Laurel, I'm saying, man, I want to go out and do something great. But I don't know what that great is. I mean, I really don't know what great is. I'm sitting here going, right, well, I don't need to write a Bible. We already got one. So that's already taken. That job's taken. What job could I possibly do that isn't taken yet that I could do something great? How about just learn to love me? I said, hmm, that's a good thing. You know what you got to do sometimes? Just sit back like Abraham on the side of a mountain and learn to love him. That's what Abraham. So why did God, why did, I, uh, why did Paul years and years, hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, use a man named Abraham who lived way out here because Abraham was the perfect example of what he was trying to get across. He staggered down at the promise. Your wife is going to have a baby. She's 90 years old. Don't worry, I'll take care of her. I made her. She'll be okay. You don't have to worry about it. Don't need no doctors. You don't need no nidus. You don't need none of that stuff but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. When I stop and say, no, I'm going to trust God and not anybody else, what I'm doing is I'm giving God the glory that he can take care of it. And then I'm going, oh, God, I'm trusting you. These people, I'm like Moses. Moses said, is he, these people are all looking at me and they expect this from you. And uh, I watch him do some of the craziest things. And being fully persuaded that he, that what he had promised, verse 21, he was able to perform. Do you think God can do whatever he wants to do? See, brother, that's where it all, you know, you know what makes a person believe the King James Bible is the word of God? It is not Greek and Hebrew. Somebody who tells you they got Greek and Hebrew, they're morons. I'm smart enough to know that they're an idiot. I don't care if they have 100 years of Greek and Hebrew. That will not prove that this thing is the word of God. Because it's always going to get somebody saying, well, you know, man wrote that. That's true. Now, could God inspire that man to write exactly what he was supposed to write? Uh, uh, Brother Loman last night, uh, when he was talking about the Russian Bible, he said it's not perfect. This one is. You know what that is? That's faith. He gives you a measure of faith to believe that this thing, you say, well, I don't understand that. He goes, well, what are you going to do if somebody comes up? I was in at a, I've mentioned this a lot of times before, and I'll, I'll use it over and over again for the rest of my life down at the fairgrounds, and they had this little booth where you walk up and you, had, you look inside of it and it says, if you die today, do you know where you would go? <laughs> and so that's the booth we had. Across it was a Catholic booth, and, and a guy over there, I mean, I went down there to just do my time, you know, like everybody else, I got to go down. If I don't, man, they're gonna, my brother's going to think I'm, I'm wicked and, and not on their side, so I got to go do what Jesus tells me to do. So I'm going to go help them just so they'll leave me alone. And I'm, that's, you know, that's, now I see you guys are all saying, oh, I'm going to serve Jesus, man. No, I, I know how y'all are, y'all are that way. I'm not that way. I'm like, I've got 100,000 other things to do that I could be doing, and I'm going to have to stop what I'm doing to go do this. And so I go down there, and then, then I get down there and go, Elliot, you had Greek and Hebrew, right? Yeah. Well, that guy over there is a Greek and Hebrew scholar. Go over there and fight and win. And I'm like, 
I went over there in about two seconds. I realized, I said, this guy is so far above me, it's pathetic. I said, there ain't no way. And after two or three days of getting beat all over the place by this guy, uh, it's like Lord saying, you're fighting the wrong fight. You're fighting the wrong fight, but go on and fight the thing. I said, no, 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 what's the fight? He goes, he goes, it's the gospel. I said, sir, let me ask you a question. This little thing over here says, if you die today, do you know, sure, you go to heaven? Or do you know you go, well, I don't know. I said, no, no, no. I said, you know, I said, you know what the problem is? You're going right to hell. And you won't deal with going to hell. You're going to hell. And boy, in about 10 minutes, that guy exploded. And he left and never seen him again. You say, what was it? I didn't mean to run him off, but I was fighting the wrong battle. Just because somebody gets a lot of education, they know a lot of stuff, and they're smarter than I am or you are, doesn't make them right. Faith comes in when you're trusting God in things you cannot see and you cannot prove. But he has showed you that those things are so. He's not going to tell you all the stuff that you need to know. I'm not going to tell you how I made the atoms and the quarks and all the other stuff that goes down into that. I'm not going to tell you how I blew it out into blade. You'll get that one day when you get here. I'll download. You'll get it all at the moment you come here. He said, but now you don't need that stuff. What you need now is just to trust me. You know what Abraham did? He trusted God. Lot didn't. Ended up, he said that righteous man vexed his righteous soul daily over in Sodom. You know what we do a lot of times? We vex our soul here in the city. Anyways, back to this. And being fully persuaded, verse 21, what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Sarah was not pregnant yet, and yet Abraham believed him. God looked at Abraham and said, that's faith, and he gave him some more faith. He said that, and he starts giving him what he needs. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. God started giving Abraham the righteousness that he needed, and when he finally took Isaac upon the side of the mountain, he got the final thing. So the verse gives you the first step. Now, this, this passage here gives you a place where you can start looking at your faith and where, that's why Paul's using this guy, your faith and where your faith leads and shows you the, the how it should grow. The first step, verse 18, you believe, but you're not as sure about your, your beliefs. Have you ever heard talk to somebody who, who doesn't believe in eternal security? But they know they got saved. I got one right there. <laughs> I, I don't know if I was ever that way. I was too stupid to even know I got saved. And then once somebody told me I got saved, I was too stupid to believe I could lose it. I mean, I didn't have nothing to do to get it, so how can I do something to lose it? I mean, it's just the way I reason. I, I, I don't know. But I've talked down through the Bible, all the way down through here. When you get saved, your, your first level of faith will be, it's, it's eternal. It's eternal. You've got to get that thing down. That has to be the first thing. So your foundation is Jesus Christ, and then on that foundation, you put eternal security. Uh, you hope, uh, though you have no right to hope, you don't, there's, there's nothing that can prove it to you. There's just that small still. See, what happens when you get saved, man, that, that Holy Spirit comes down and it's just kind of residing around you. And then all of a sudden you say, I'm going to believe the Lord Jesus Christ died for my sins according to Scripture, buried and rose again the third day. I'm going to believe that. I believe he's in heaven right now. I, I believe he died for me. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust. And the Holy Spirit goes, okay, comes inside. And he takes your soul and he brings your dead spirit back to life. And then he seals you to the day of, uh, until the uh, day of redemption. And now all of a sudden, a communications path has just been opened up back between you and God via the Holy Spirit. And he can now start talking to you. And all of a sudden, that little voice inside says, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And that's where that little baby step start coming in. Just like a little baby. You start taking steps, man, and, and you trust. And he'll show you some stuff. And Gideon was a good example. He said, show me stuff. Show me some stuff. And God showed him some stuff, gave him enough faith to go against a whole army. You're gonna, it's going to take time. You're not going to have the faith I have, or I'm, I'm not going to have the faith some other men have. 
or ladies have. I'm telling you what, it's just one of those things where you just got to get it. Look at Mark 9. Mark 9. We're talking about faith here. Mark 9. It's a word that we use. Everybody says it. Uh, but when it's actually applied, applicable to our lives, sometimes it's just not. Uh, how are you going to get through this world? It has to be a measure of faith. God has to step you through the thing. And if you get into his perfect will, you start getting into the will of God, and you let him start guiding and directing your steps the way he wants to do it, you will not always know exactly what's happening, but doors will open up in ways that in your mind it's like, I need to do that. And you may have some questions about what to do, but I need to do that. And, and you do it, and it works out good, and you really don't even care about down the road a ways. You're just that right there. And you do that thing, and you go, okay, Lord, that's good, man. That's, that's good. And then the Lord says, okay, now do this. And people say, well, how do you know that? I don't. I just took a step through a door that was in front of me right now. He didn't tell me there's going to be 75 doors down here, and this door, that door, this door, that door, that door. No, no. He said, Mike, right here. And there's something inside that just says, hey, and it matches the scripture, always matches the scripture. Never find anything wrong. And Michael, like, okay, I'm going to follow the Lord. It just, it seems like the Lord would go this way, not that way. That little bracelet people wear. What would Jesus do? WWJD. Anybody ever seen that? WWJD. Now, why would you? Now, if you're in here and you got tattoos, don't get mad at me. If you got earrings all over your face, you, if you're transgender, don't even tell me that. <laughs> Queer, don't tell me that either. But let me ask you a question. Would Jesus dress like we dress today? Have you ever been down the beach? Do you think Jesus would be at the beach in Jacksonville, Florida, or anywhere in Mayport, anywhere down through there? What would Jesus do? But some of those young ladies and guys will have the little thing on their arm that says WWJD. And they'll tell you they're saved, and they'll say all this stuff, and then you sit there and say, but do but you think Jesus, oh, no, it's okay. Cause, no, no, it's not okay. What we have done is we've, we have, we've eliminated him out of our lives. I was, in the, I was in the Navy, if y'all didn't know that. And over, we pulled into Barcelona, Spain, and they wanted me to be a shore patrol. And I said, okay, I don't mind. As a senior guy, I going to be in charge of all the shore patrol. And I was going to leave the ship and, and have all these guys underneath me. They said, Elliot, we want you to go down to the beach. I said, Elliot, ain't going down no beach. They said, no, you're going to. I said, no, I'm not going down to the beach. Why aren't you going to the beach? That's a nudist beach, and I'm not going to go down to that beach. Now, you can hang that up. You can, hang, you can kill haul me. You can do whatever you want. They said, somebody's got to go down to the beach. I said, anybody want to go to the beach? And I mean, all the guys were like, I'll go, I'll go. I said, y'all go, man. I said, I ain't going. I said, I'm not going down there. I said, but somebody had to go down there, so they went. So then I go over to the USO because I think that's safe. The old lady in there called me a prude. I said, you're a prude. You Americans are prudish. You know, y'all just need to grow up, man. I'm like, no, the world has gone so wicked that they think that's perfectly normal. That's what's wrong with Christianity today. We think Christianity... There's no faith there, by the way. That's zero faith. That's none. They may have got saved. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm just saying there's no faith. Because faith has got to grow. We're going to get into some more of that. Uh, Mark 9. Mark 9. I'm not in Mark 9, so you guys probably there beat me to it. Mark 9. Mark 9, 23. He says this. Jesus said, Jesus said, 9, 9, 23. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said uh, with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Now this man had went to Jesus, knowing that Jesus had done some great things, healed people, uh, fed people, done all the other stuff. He knew that. 
he, he went to him for help, and his, he's got a daughter that is sick, and he's, uh, the, the, the disciple, he's got some help. He needs some help. And he's saying, Lord, increase my faith. So your faith has got to be increased. It has to be. It can never stay the same. So just because now here you go, watch this. Just because somebody does stuff doesn't mean I should go out and slam them all over the place. They may not be where I'm at. The Lord has allowed me to get to a place that they're not. So what I need to do is, is live. Now, here's where testimony. I need to live that life that they can see it, and then, they'll, then they can see the contrast. Now the Holy Spirit can come over and say, that's what you're supposed to look like, not that. Oh, I don't want to look like that. And then after a while, they'll look at that and say, why don't you just, why don't you just be like everybody else? I can't be like everybody else because the Lord won't let me. This is what the Lord wants me to do. And what you'd be is that's where the testimony comes in. And, and we have lost in Christianity a testimony. He says, abstain from all appearances of evil. Well, the only way you'll know what evil is is look at this. What would Jesus do? That's a great saying, WWJD. What would Jesus do? I tell you what, he would not be on a beach uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, usually he would not be on a beach. So uh, the passage is there. The young man says, help my unbelief. Uh, Matthew 17, 20. We're talking about faith here. Abraham had that faith. Paul is using him because he's talking to a group of Romans. And it's just not about Abraham. He's talking to a group of Romans. He's going, guys, you're going to have to get some faith, man. If you're going to make this thing. Now, I'll tell you, somebody got that faith. Because 2,000 years later, here we are. I've got a Bible sitting in my hand. Somebody got enough faith to actually do, uh, to, to make a Bible. Somebody got enough God in them to actually uh, stand up for what was right and what was wrong. Uh, Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 17, 20. Let me get there myself. I talk too much. <clears throat> I think Rich gave me a compliment today. He goes, he goes, you could wing it tonight for two hours. <laughs> I don't know what he said. I don't know what he meant there. Just you just talk about nothing but him. <laughs> we, we say all kinds of stuff over there when we're there. If you're not there, it's usually about you. So you don't have to worry about it, but we have fun. And Jesus said unto him, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you had the faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove. Now I've never seen anybody do this yet. Hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You know, I think, howbeit this kind cometh out, uh, cometh, uh, this, howbeit this kind goeth not out by uh, prayer and fasting. Because the disciples come to him and say, hey, we tried to cast this uh, uh, devil out. This guy couldn't do it. And he goes, he shakes his head, and he says, man, he goes, you don't get it. You just don't get it. You, you got to believe. 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 And believing isn't just uh, in school at Great Lakes, they'd always say, push the I believe button. And I'm like, I can't. I don't know where the button's at. They said, look, all you got to do is get through the week and pass the test. Just get the information, pass the test. I said, I'm not here to just get the information and pass the test. I want to understand the information. They said, Mike, we ain't got time to teach you what you need to know. So they put me in nighttime with the instructors down there. They taught me what I need to know. So when I come back in class, I didn't have to push an I believe button. I understood what was being said. The Lord teaches you through a Bible and the Holy Spirit. Now, you, I'm Wednesday nights, I'm going through the Holy Spirit. He's teaching you with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that this thing is true. And it teaches you what you need to know. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach you what Jesus Christ has said. So even though you got this book sitting in front of you, you can't get it without him. It can't be gotten. There's no other way to get it. 
He has to bring this thing. He has to shine the light bulbs on this thing. And you go, whoa, where did that come from? Whoa, where did that come from? And what he's doing is he's increasing your faith. As he gives you this, you start believing. People say, you're a heretic. You're crazy. There's no way you could believe that. No, that's what the Bible says. They're like, it's just a book. No, it's not. So why would one person think it's not just a book, but it's the word of God? Another person thinks it's a book. Jesus Christ is saying, your unbelief limits you. There's a verse over in Isaiah. He says, you have hindered the most high. Your unbelief will hinder God. So you, we sit there and God can do great things in our lives, whatever he wants to do. And we hinder him sometimes for our belief and our actions. Uh, so you got to get to the place where you believe God. Now, 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 now. I'm, I'm going I'm to buzz over a, a bunch of stuff. i got a bunch of stuff here that if any man lacks wisdom, you ask him. James says all that. You get in your Bible. All that stuff is good. I like Dwight L. Moody uh, was asked, uh, somebody said, what persuasion are you? Somebody said, oh, are you Baptist, are you Methodist, are you President Trump? He said, my persuasion is Paul's persuasion. He believes what Jesus Christ, all the way down through history, things change. Now, 23. Oh, wait a minute, I want to get back. Wait a minute, I've lost my train of thought here, I'm getting back on it. So your faith, he says, right, whose hope, who against hope believed in hope. So his faith starts there. Uh, and being not weak in faith, so his, in verse 19, his faith starts increasing, and he, he considers not his own body dead, but he starts trusting God. Verse 20, he gets to a place where he didn't stagger at the promise anymore. That's over a period of his life. So he was weak in faith, he was strong in faith, and then he got to the place where he just believed what God said. So much so that when God was getting ready, the Lord was getting ready to go down and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he went up head to head with him on that, that issue. Are you going to kill everybody down there for the 50, 50 righteous? There could have been 10 billion people down there. I don't know. So you're going to kill everybody down there if there's 50 righteous? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Man, when you can get in God's face with your finger like that, that's, that's where you want to be. Not, that, not disrespectful. Abraham knew that he's the only one that could resolve this problem. You're going to send Michael and Gabriel down there. They're going to wipe that place out. That's exact, they're just they're single-minded. They don't care. God said, mm. I mean, they're, you're talking about fundamentalists. Then Michael and Gabriel are about the best fundamentalists you've ever seen in your life. Go and destroy Jerusalem. And that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to go destroy it. God says, stop. And they stop. Abraham knows if he's going to stop what God's getting ready to do, only God can do it. And he has to, you know what, it, that, you know what he says it over in Hebrews? He says, come boldly under the throne of grace. You know what that means? Come boldly under that throne. You have the privilege and the right to go sit before God, say, Lord, I need some help. I need it fast. Uh, I got a brother or sister. I got this problem. I got that problem. I don't care about all this. Other stuff. I got, these are the problems. And Lord, I need, and I mean, you just keep that thing there. You say, well, he never answers me. Well, then stay on that altar till you get your answer. You keep, you know what? He may just be looking at you. Are you serious? Are you really serious? I've been watching you your whole life and you never acted like this before. And now you're telling me you're serious? Let's see how serious you are. And he just might be waiting a couple days till you get serious, or weeks, or months, or years. <laughs> it's his choice, man. I said, brother, look at me smile. I don't care. My, my brother called me, and my cousin, they walked in, uh, uh, John Cecil in, down in Lebanon, Kentucky. They walked in his house, and he was dead. Uh, and I don't know really at this point how long he has been dead. Uh, uh, the way the family is down there, they were all pretty close, so I, I doubt it was very long. Uh, max maybe a couple hours, eight, ten hours, something like it, because they all stay in contact with each other, probably a day at the most. Uh, but my brother has been backslidden like a dog for years. And so Michelle, my cousin, called him, and Danny called me. 
And I said, well, Danny, how old was I know how old John Cecil was. And he goes, he was 71, and my brother's 71. <laughs> and my brother's in worse shape than John Cecil was. John Cecil looked pretty good. He just probably had a heart attack, fell down dead. Danny is getting ready to fall down dead at any moment. I said, I said, man, I said, Danny, I said, you're next. And he goes, oh, yeah, because somebody's going to find me in my house. I'm going to be dead for like a month because nobody cares about me. <laughs> I, said, I said, why is that, man? Have you ever thought about that thing? You know, it's a lack of faith. I just believe the Lord. I said, man, I, said, I tell Beth, just take me out in the backyard, throw me out there, let the coyotes eat me. Get something good out of it, man. Don't embalm me. Don't even worry about it. Just, I don't care. I said, absent from the body, present with the Lord, I'm going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. So as you go down through here, he, he's, he said he did not stagger at the promise. He, he could get before God because God had just told him he's going to have a kid. He believed that thing. Then all of a sudden the Lord says, go back, back, to, go back to Genesis. I, th I think it's 17. There's a, there's a phrase there that I think most people, when we read our Bibles, if you read your Bibles, which you should. Um, Abraham delivers a lot. Uh, it's going to be verse chapter 13. Oh, wait a minute, I might be wrong. King of Salem. Abraham delivers him. Hang on, hang on. It might be, it's 17. It's 17. Go to 17. It might be 18. Somewhere in Genesis. Yeah, it's a, it's 18. Go to verse 17. 18, 17. Verse 16. Genesis 1, 1. No. Uh, and the men arose, and the men arose up from thence. You notice how he said men? That was two angels, by the way. If you go back and read, there's two angels appeared. That's two angels right there. And the men arose, because when you go down and see Lot down there, these two guys show up. And the men arose uh, from thence and looked towards Sodom. And Abram went uh, with them to uh, bring them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. He already knows what you're going to be. As all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. That's all of us. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep, you know why God loved Abraham? He knew what Abraham was going to do. Abraham built the faith. But that verse up here says, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? You ever wonder why God doesn't tell you something? You ever wonder about that? Have you ever thought that maybe you're not where Abraham is? And the Lord shows you Abraham. Paul brings Abraham out so you can see this thing. I want that kind of faith, man. I want that kind of faith when I say, hey, God, Lord, I got a problem. And people say, well, aren't you afraid he's going to... No, he, what's he, he can't throw me in hell. I'm already saved. All he can do is beat me up for like forever. And if he's going to spend all that time to beat me up, I'm going I'm to... I got the opportunity. He's done told me to come boldly under the throne of grace. I wasn't like that 43 years ago. I am like that today. I mean, I'll write a letter to somebody and say, look, we're done with you, man. Get out of here. We're finished. I don't really care. You'll, if you hear me get mad sometimes, I'll get mad. Once you push me to a point... I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm, you're, you're finished. You say, well, that's kind of cruel and mean. When it comes to hurting everybody else, I'll sever something in a heartbeat to keep that person from hurting everybody else in the church. A lot of times people don't see that thing. But you say, why is that? Because I'm looking at the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what would you do? He said, I'll cut your head off, man. I'll send, you want me to send Gabriel and Michael down there on you? I said, no, sir. No, sir. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You know what happens is all of a sudden is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Do you just see what I just said? I'm not afraid that he's going to hit me with a brick. I'm afraid to break the fellowship that I got with him. There's where the fear is. It isn't, it isn't I'm, oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Uh, no, no, that isn't what it is. It's like, no, I know what this thing is, and I'm not going to lose this thing for that. I'll stick with this. I don't care about that. I'll stick with that. And the Lord says, that's fear. That's good. I like that. And he says, here, Mike, have some more faith. <laughs> I like that. I want to be like Phineas, man. Take that little javelin and go, just, well, no, I don't, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to get in trouble here. But it's, it's a bunch of crazy stuff. So faith starts little, and he shows you Abraham. That's what, uh, that's what Paul's trying to use Abraham for. He says, it started here, and he got him through this, and now Abraham's over here on the side of a mountain somewhere, and he's listening to God. So God finally gives Abraham righteousness. We don't get that. So now, go over to, go over to, go over to, man, I got a lot of stuff here, but I ain't going to do that. Dwight L. Moody was good. Verse 23. Man, we're at the end of the chapter. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. So Paul, when he brings this up, the whole chapter starts, go back to Romans chapter 4. And I'll, I'll stop here and let everybody take a break and... If y'all want to quit, we'll quit, and if you don't want to quit, we'll, I'll do another half hour or so, and then, then we'll quit, because I'm lying again. Jerry came in today, said he's going to write a song about me lying. <laughs> Beth told him that it was, it was blasphemy, so he's not going to do it. But it was funny. I thought it was funny. What shall we say then, verse 1, what shall we say then? I'm not starting all over again in verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found? He's justified by faith. That's what he's found. Verse 23. Now it, is, it, now it is not written for his sake alone. So God gives you a book that he wrote something in, not just for Abraham, but he did that for us. He chose Abraham because Abraham was the one who did it. He goes, I'm going to use him just like I used Job or anything else. Uh, for his sake alone, that it was imputed to him. Righteousness was imputed to him. Well, the moment you get saved, it's imputed to you. The moment you get saved. Abraham didn't get it imputed to him until several months, years later, when he left over the Chaldees, got all the way to the, did this, did this, did this. He started getting righteousness in 15, and 12 he started getting, 15 he got it, 17 he got it. When he got up on the side of that mountain and got ready to kill Isaac, God gave it to him, he finished it right there. That was the finish of his salvation. Yours and mine is totally different, man. We've got a great Lord. I mean, I come to the conclusion that I'm lost on my way to hell, and I asked Jesus Christ to save me, 1980, on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky. Bam, I got it right then and there. I got the whole kit and caboodle, man. Salvation, I got sanctification, imputation, righteous. I got the whole thing, man. I mean, it's a list of stuff about that long that I got sitting there on that back porch. This wonder didn't knock me off the back porch when I got it. Uh, that's what he gave me. And it takes years to figure that out, what he just gave you. Abraham had to learn that step by step. That's why he's using Abraham here. So now it was not, not written for his sake alone it's, it's, it, that it was imputed to him righteousness, but for, our, for us also. Paul's a Jew talking to Gentiles. It's to us. This thing is to us. He's trying to get you. There's more to life than just waking up tomorrow morning and going to work at some place and making a few bucks. Although you need to wake up in the morning and go to work someplace and make a few bucks so you can take care of your bills. And, and take care of your families or whatever you got. But there's more to life than just that. Verse 24. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. John, uh, if you go to Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God 
raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What you just did is you believe God, and God gives you Christ's righteousness for believing him. That's called faith. Um, who was delivered, oh man, this is great. <laughs> who was delivered for our offenses. He was, Christ had to be delivered for us. There was nobody else on the, in the universe that could take his place. Not one single person. You had to be, he had to send his son to die for us, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Uh, throughout this chapter, Abraham's faith has been used as an example for New Testament believers. Uh, uh, Abraham's salvation is not our salvation, never was. It's a type of our salvation. Our salvation is in the blood of Jesus Christ. In the last three verses, uh, Paul uh, draws on, on the typology. Abraham's imputed righteousness is a type of receiving God's righteousness for the condition we changed. We got changed the day I got saved. You got changed the day you got saved. You will spend the rest of your life realizing that change. I know over the 43 years that I've lived, I watched him do some of the craziest things. And most of the time, I've always been by myself in the process of those things occurring. Uh, you don't have to run here. You don't have to run there. You don't have to go here. You, uh, I like Jesus Christ. I'll say, if some men say I'm here or there, uh, behold, go not. He's right there. I don't have to go nowhere. He's right here. And all I got to do is say, okay, Lord, show me like Paul did. Paul fell down on the ground and said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Well, first of all, you're blind. You can't do nothing anymore unless he gives you your eyeballs back. Uh, what's a blind man, honestly, what is a blind man going to do for Jesus Christ if you're blind? But Paul said, I don't care. Even in blind, I'll serve you. Uh, we receive God's imputation, imputated right, righteousness when we believe on him that raised up Jesus from the dead, 24. Uh, uh, so like Abraham, you do not have to wait to see if your works match your faith. You didn't have to. I, your works, you don't have to worry about your works. There is no works involved. You just trusted Jesus Christ. And so you're done. So Abraham, uh, our sins were taken away. Go to uh, John 129, and uh, we'll stop right here. For Look at that. It's 8 o'clock. And this is just right where I'm supposed to make my entrance. One twenty-nine, brother. This is good to me. This is good stuff. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, "Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world." You cannot do it; only He can do it. And what He did is He He went through what He went through to do that for us. And and we hear this all the time in churches all over the place. Uh, but really, when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road, we don't really realize what He gave us. And as your faith increases, the more you start realizing what he gave. Uh, it isn't just going out, passing gospel tracts out, and, and busy, 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 busy. And that, no, no, that's, what that does, that wears you out. It, it would be better to sit on the side of a mountain like Abraham and just sit in the t cool of the tent on the, on the, and wait for the Lord to come by one day and say, hey, Abraham, how you doing? Oh, man, Lord, how you doing? He knew exactly who he was when he popped up. Lot did not know who those two guys were when they showed up down there. He knew they were in the streets. I'm going to take care of you. But he did not realize, Abraham realized who all three of those men were when they pulled up. And they come up in their new chariot with flaming horses and all this stuff. I doubt, no, they came walking. Or they came floating. I don't know what they did. But Abraham knew exactly who they were. That's because he believed in the one that walked up to the door. I would rather be Abraham than Lot any day of the week. A lot of people have that thing reversed. Well, <clears throat> If I just go and I do this, I'll get all this money, and then I will. No, it'll never happen. 
And what you need to do is serve him today, and it'll be done. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for letting us get through chapter 4. And Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll take a break for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, and then we'll start up with chapter 5, which is right here. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Since there ain't no, it, so we, Paul leaves off with him, faith, therefore being justified, verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, that's what we're justified. Now he's talking to them as, as where we're at. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you lose peace, you, you're going to have a problem. Uh, your peace, am I doing something wrong? Oh, man. When I see somebody come up here, it's like, when you, I'm like somebody going, you got to watch your back, man. But, uh. But uh, when you lose peace, there's something wrong. Joy, peace, long suffering. When you get over there, the, the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. That's some of them. And you need to always strive because when you start losing that joy and peace inside your heart, uh, you're, there's something going on wrong in your life. That joy should always be there. That peace should be there. If that's not there, don't be blaming somebody else. It's not somebody else's problem. It's yours. Nobody can dictate to me that joy, peace in my heart. That's mine. That's what the Lord gave me. I didn't say you're not going to go through trials, and I'm going to get into some of that. So, so, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Not with just everybody else, with God. My peace is between me and him uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the Father, Son, they, they say, well, I don't believe in the Trinity. What a moron. Listen to this right here. You got peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, he just gave you two parts of the Trinity and Jesus Christ himself says, I must go that the Comforter may come, which is the Holy Ghost. He gives you the third part. So Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You have to have all three parts before this thing will even make any sense to you. Uh, your salvation does not match Abraham's exactly. And people who say that, and you'll hear me say this over and over again, well, he's saved in the Old Testament, same. They are lazy bums that say that. They will not study their Bible. I'm not, this has nothing to do with Dr. Roman, has nothing to do with John Gill, has nothing to do with uh, C.I. Schofield, it has nothing to do with Clarence Larkin, it has nothing to do with any of these men. What these men did is showed me some stuff, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. you got to be open for the truth. you got to be willing to accept it. Uh, salvation, Abraham's salvation, although I believe he was saved, as a matter of fact, he's so saved, God changed the name of the, what it was to Abraham's bosom. I don't know what it was called before everybody, like where Moses went. No, Abraham was before Moses. So where Adam and Eve, they didn't ever call it Adam and Eve's bosom. Uh, they never did say it was Enoch's bosom. Enoch went to heaven, so it didn't matter about him. It never said Noah's bosom. It said Abraham's bosom. So he called that thing, he loved Abraham so much, the, the, uh, the repertoire or the, uh, where the, the place where everybody resided until the Lord Jesus Christ could come down here, was going to come was placed, and he named it after Abraham. He said, my servant, Abraham, I'm with you. So your salvation is not like Abraham's. They went down there. You and I get saved, we go up there almost immediately, if not in a flash, in a, in a twinkling of an eye. So your salvation does not match Abraham's exactly. Abraham was not justified completely until he offered Isaac upon the altar. He got, he got all the way down through Ur the Chaldees, down here, did this, Abimelech, all that, all that. He gets up up there. The Lord says, I'm going to do this. He says, I trust you, chapter 12. He gets some, uh, 15 he gets some, 70 he gets some. By the time he gets up to sacrificing Isaac on the altar, he gets it all right there. The Lord says, it's yours, you got it, you got saved. You and I, uh, 1980 on the back porch in Kentucky, boom, I got it, everything right there. I didn't have to do it. Man, I thank God for that. Uh, I don't know if I could do what Abraham did. I guess if God was as prevalent in my life as he was Abraham's, I might. But uh, Lot got the opportunity to see, now here, it's a great, great lesson here if you get, catch it. And I'll throw it out. You may or may not get it. 
Lot seen two angels. You think, I would think, that that would have some effect on Lot's life. It had zero effect. He's ready to go to another little city, and the angel's going to destroy this place because of stinking faggots out there in the middle of the streets at nighttime. And Lot is like, oh, well, oh, can I, uh, I can't go up in the mountain. Can I go to one of these other... No, have you ever thought maybe you start should think like God thinks and not like you think Lot? You think like Lot again. You're thinking on the plains and the well-watered plains. They're not going to be very well-watered when God gets done with them here real soon. Why don't you say, Lord, guide me like Paul did, and he doesn't. So just because you, if an angel came down and told you exactly what to do, chances are you'd be no closer to God after the angel, the encounter with the angel as you were before. Uh, Abraham was already on his uh, trek and his walk with Jesus Christ, with the Lord, that he already was there and the Lord could come in and out of his life and do stuff. Abraham was not justified completely till the offer of Isaac. His works completed his faith. You get it for free. You don't have to have no works. All you had to do is trust Jesus Christ. That was it. Uh, but the moment you trust Christ and declare, uh, you are declared righteous. Now that... It doesn't matter anymore after that. He sees Jake as righteous, period. He does not see Jake sitting there in an Air Force uniform. He sees the soul of Jake and his spirit righteous. So if somebody comes and says, well, did you see what Jake did? No. Well, yeah, I did, man. He, he was actually praising me the other day. I heard it, as a matter of fact. It was really good. He was down there shouting and screaming in the back of the church. He was, no, no, did you see what he, no, what did he do? He did this. Well, I've never seen that. Because he doesn't see Jake as this. Or he doesn't see Mike as this. He sees Mike as this. And when he gets done with that thing, I get to go to heaven. 2 Corinthians, go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5. Man, there's way too much stuff. You would think 66 books wouldn't have this much stuff in it. Now you know why Eutychus fell out of the window. Now you know why I built everything on the first floor. <laughs> there ain't going to be no excuse. I ain't going to let you, I died. No, 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 man. I can't bring you back to life, so I ain't going to let you fall out the window. If we could bring you back to life, I'd, I'd let you fall out to sit in the window and fall out. 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The day you get saved, man, you change. You change. You change. You're not the same. You may not actually realize everything at that particular moment, but as the years go by, the time goes by, you're going to realize you're, I mean, I remember, you ever remember the night you got saved? I do, I do. Man, I got saved. Nothing happened. <laughs> I went back to bed, man. I sit on the back porch and I'm looking up at the sky. I need you. I need you. I don't, boy, I'm all messed up. I need you. You don't woke me up. I'm sleeping there really good. And you woke me up now. I'm, I'm out here talking to you and, and, and nothing. I, I thought. My backyard was about as black as that right there. I had fences on both sides, and I had a big old oak tree. I can still see the big oak tree sitting there. My little garage was sitting right there, and I, back in this corner, I had a, a grill. It's about a half an acre lot, maybe three-quarters of an acre, and it's narrow, but all the way in that corner, I had a, a grill that looked like a chimney thing out, out there, and uh, over here, I had a garden. I had a fenced-in garden, and right there, there was a gate, man. Every time I opened that gate, it would go, For some reason, I'm sitting on that back porch, and I'm just sitting there waiting. And I think he's going to land in my garden, and he's going to open that gate, and I'm going to hear go, and he's going to come sit down next to me and tell me what I need. Now, that's what I thought 43 years ago, sitting in my backyard. I mean, you done woke me up, and this is what I thought. And I'm sitting there, and 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 sitting there. 
and the gate never opened. And I said, hey, I don't blame you. I wouldn't come for me either. Got up, went to bed. Best night's sleep I ever had in my life. <laughs> and uh, three weeks later, all of a sudden, I realized drugs is gone. And I've been smoking pot for my whole life up to that point, up to about 10 years anyways. And I'm sitting there going, my brother went to Vietnam, so he got me hooked on it. He didn't really hooked, he was just uh, uh, exposed to it. And now, but it's gone. And I realize it's gone through a series of things. And I'm like, something changed, and I don't know what changed, and what happened, what happened, what happened, what happened. I said, my uncle, he's a Southern Baptist preacher. He's a preacher. He's a Baptist preacher. He knows what happened. I'll go talk to him. So I go over and I drive over there and get on the, I'm outside and I go and tell the secretary I want to talk to him. And she goes, Mike, you got to wait outside for me. And she's talking to somebody else. I said, okay. I didn't, I didn't get no, didn't make no appointment or nothing. I just went to see him. But I'm his nephew. So he said, okay, talk to me. And I'm sitting out there and I'm looking at this guy and say, hey, what'd you do, man? You did something. They probably thought I was nuts. Oh, you did something. What'd you do? I, I mean, uh, you changed. All of a sudden, I mean, I just started bawling and I couldn't contain my, I mean, I was, I was bawling. I was losing it. Because it was, like, it was like a flooding of my soul of, of realization that, hey, something has changed. And it, it finally clicked up here. And now, re realistically, I know something's changed. So I go in there and talk to Rolf. And he, he's trying to lead me to Jesus Christ, Romans Road, and all that. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that. I know that. He says, for all have sinned. Yeah, that's me. That's me. He said, you got to believe on Jesus Christ. I said, I did that, man. He goes, Mike, you're saved. So I didn't know what that was. And he told me. And then uh, I watched that thing start changing, and over the years, I watched it change more and more, and it just keeps changing. If any man is in Christ, he, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. There are some things that has to go away. It just has to go. Drugs had to go away. There's other things in your life that have to go away. Behold, all things become new. All of a sudden now, there's a new spirit inside of me that is alive, that was dead, but this spirit now has access to God and, and the Holy Spirit has access through him to my soul. My soul is sealed into the day of redemption. I got this spiritual circumcision that went on. Didn't hurt at all. But, I mean, it, it kind of changed everything. And now, all of a sudden, this communication, this little small, still voice is going off in my head. That wasn't going off before. So when I'm driving down the road, I still don't know the thing exists like it does. I look over, and here's this Navy recruiter trailer, and I'm like, whoa! There's a, go over and join. Who did that? That was the Holy Spirit telling me what to do. So I go do it. I join the Navy. You say, well, that's, that's just you're making that up. Fine. You can believe whatever you want. I just know after 43 years what happened. And he goes right here. Therefore, if many, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Let me ask you a question. Are you a new creature today? If, if Romans 5, 1, Paul is talking, this same guy who wrote Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace. If I'm a new creature in Christ, then old things are passed away. I start letting go of some things that's old. I don't need to cling on them anymore. Behold, all things are become new. 18. And all things are of God who has reconciled us. I've been reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Right there it is. He's given you a gift that the only way you can get that gift is to be saved. And he's given me the ability to reconcile, to give somebody else the path to get reconciled back to God. He goes, how? To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. What is that? That Jesus Christ died for you, shed his blood at Calvary, and he wants to save your soul. That's the gift of reconciliation. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So, 
you get saved and all of a sudden you think you're an ambassador. No, you have to learn some things. However, comma, I got saved, man. I was so happy I got saved. My mom's still Catholic. She married a Baptist, which I never figured that out. My, uncle, my, my grandfather married her mom, which was Catholic, and he was Baptist. When I get to heaven, I want to smack him. I'm like, you must. My mom, even here recently, had said she wished her dad would have raised them all Baptists because she sees what me and Beth are doing. But she's so far down the line, she's proudful. She won't let go of the thing. But he goes on right here, and he, and he says, uh, he goes, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. The night I got saved, I was not an ambassador. But boy, a couple, four or five days later, a week or two later, my mom came to my house, and I started telling her what happened to me, and I got saved, and I mean, everything's changing, and she runs out my door. I mean, I, still, I can still see the door opening up and the screen door flying open, and she runs, get me out of here, get me out of here, take me home, this guy's crazy. And uh, all my sisters and brothers thought I was crazy and insane, and I'm still as happy as, I could, as, happy as a lark. I did not even care. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, all my family, my dad thinks I'm crazy, my mom thinks I'm crazy, everybody thinks I'm crazy. If I'd have known best, she'd have thought I was crazy. I, everybody think I'm crazy, but something happened to me that night that I, I had got a taste of something that was unbelievable, and I'm like, this is the greatest thing since peanut butter, man. I mean, this is great. And uh, when it happened, I just, I, it's been that way ever since. You say, Are you, I'm no different than uh, Rich Barnett. He was here preaching. We went to school, and he made a comment from the pulpit. He goes, Mike is the same today as he was back in school 30 years ago. I was the same way. I don't, I just, I'm, it's that peace of God that passeth all understanding that I know he saved my soul. I don't have to worry about that. And it's a joy. It's just a joy. He goes on, he goes, for he hath made him, okay, well, let me finish 20 again. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's what your job is. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. And what will happen sometimes is we won't get reconciled to God. We will reconcile ourselves to the world. We'll trust God. We'll get trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. We'll get saved, but then we'll go to the world for our answers. He said, don't reconcile yourself this way. For he hath made him to be sin for us. That's what Jesus became for you. He had to become the sin that you sinned so he could save your soul. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, when he did what he did and got through everything he got through, when he walked into heaven, Jesus was God's righteousness. And when you trust Jesus Christ, Jesus gives you himself and takes your sin and away it goes. It's a great thing, man. Verse 2, Romans 5.2, back to Romans 5.2. Look at that, it's already 8.30, man. It's amazing how fast time flies. 5.2. By whom also we have access by faith in this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So you have an access, and that's where Paul over in Hebrews says, come boldly into the throne of grace. You have an access via the Holy Spirit right to God, the throne. You don't have to send no letter and wait for a response. You just, you just start taking your request up there. Uh, the grace wherein we stand is salvation. It's, it's God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not yourself is a gift of God. Your grace, salvation is what, what uh, you're getting there. But be, uh, before salvation, your official standing was judgment and death. Now, uh, you were lost and dead in trespasses and sin. You trusted Jesus Christ and your world changed. Uh, you became a new creature. Uh, our standing now is in Jesus Christ. My standing tonight is in Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I, am, I am securing him. My state is totally different. 
My state is my daily walk, but my standing right now is in Jesus Christ. 1980, on a back porch, the moment I trusted him, my standing changed from being a sinner, condemned, undone, to one that now is in Christ Jesus. That's me. I'm, I'm there. Uh, before salvation, we had a fearful future. We feared death. I don't know if I feared death. I, I definitely feared life. I did not want to continue living like I was living. I knew that. Uh, I, I didn't really... I didn't really fear the judgment that was coming. I just knew realistically that if God was who he said he was, this is the wrong thing. Something's wrong with this picture. And that's how I approached it. Now, you may approach it totally different. I knew I was a sinner. You didn't have to convince me I was a sinner. I already knew that. I knew that he was righteous, and I was trying to figure out how to bridge that gap between me and him, and he showed me exactly how to do it. Jesus Christ is the only way you're going to cross that thing. Everybody comes to Christ a different way. But in any way you come, it is secure the moment you do it. And, and now when I say you come a different way, you only come through Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You have to admit you're a sinner. You have to understand the gospel is as clear as it can be. Christ died for our sins. I, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've got to admit you're a sinner. You've got to know you're, you're I don't even know if you have to realize you're unworthy. You've just got to know you're a sinner to God. And that the payment for your sin was the blood that he shed at Calvary, his life, his death. His blood shed there paid for my sin. And when I trust him, he washes me with the blood. That's, that's it. Our standing now is in Christ. We face judgment. We face death. Uh, John 3, 336. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Now, I don't know how much plainer you can get than that. But if you're going to believe that part, you've got to believe the next one. And he that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him. I don't really necessarily want the wrath of God on me. Uh, so I, I like the part about getting saved, so I, I did that. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He that believeth on the son hath life. That means I can, ha I can know I have life. 1 John uh, 5, 13 or 14 over it says, uh, that you may know you have eternal life. I mean, I read that thing, I'm like, why can't I know that? I mean, somebody can know that. I said, could I not know that? I mean, you said somebody could know that. Am I somebody? Could I know that? Well, somebody may not know it. Somebody who's going to argue with you. I'd, well, that's fine. They can argue all day long. But I'd like to know right there that I have that. He that believeth on the Son hath life. And he that believeth not the Son, it says right there, hath not life. And he goes, John, uh, 1 John 15, 16, 17, and 18 are the clearest verses in the Bible on salvation. You get eternal life. I got it. We get peace. 2 Corinthians 5.18, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself in, by Christ Jesus and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You get a peace. When you know that you have God on your side, and that's what Paul's trying to tell the Romans, your Christian walk depends on, on your fellowship with Jesus Christ. I keep telling everybody it's a fellowship. Your fellowship with him will determine your Christian walk. Your Christian walk is a necessity. It isn't just a requirement or it is, it's a nice thing to do. It is part of what you are an ambassador. If you're not going to be the ambassador, you're going to get fired. I don't want to get fired. I've already been fired. I've been fired a couple times. I don't like being fired. Well, I got fired from McDonald's. I kind of quit at the same time I got fired. Uh, but I'll tell you what, after six weeks, I was, I was on the grill. I was a grill man at six weeks. I was frying burgers, and a bus came in one night, two buses, I think, with all these kids from the local school. And there's like tens of gazillion of them, and they ordered like 12,000 hamburgers. And by the time I got done, my two fingers, because you had to, and they, they were burnt, man. I mean, just burnt. And the ends of my fingers were burnt off. 
And uh, I was, I'm like, this, there's got to be more than life than McDonald's, man. I mean, get, get, let's get serious here, man. I mean, surely there's something more than flipping burgers. And uh, so uh, I didn't really care too much about the job, and, and the boss kind of knew I didn't care, so he fired me. And I quit at the same time, so uh, it was, it was kind of good. We get peace. I have peace. I've always had peace about everything like that. We have access to grace. John 3:36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. You get grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. Uh, you get that grace. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this is the cool stuff right here, man. Uh, the glory of God. Uh, you know what that glory is? That's a second advent passage, man. You're getting, uh, in Titus 2.13, it says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go to Matthew 16. A couple verses and I'll, I'll shut down. I'll stop right here. I won't overload y'all too much tonight. 620, I like my Bible. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. You're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is, is when Jesus Christ comes. He's going to take his throne one day. He's coming. He's coming. He's going to come out there, Revelation 19. He's coming on some horses, and we get to be behind him, and he's going to come back, and he's going to be whooping up on a bunch of people. And I, I used to pray all the time, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, quick, come on. Then I started saying, Lord, come when you're going to come. I said, because there's going to be people who die and actually go to hell right there. And I said, I, I don't want to pray them into hell. I said, if, i got to stay here for a little bit longer. If, if, you, if you were depending on me to say when that thing was going to happen, I'm going to defer that to you, and you just do what you want to do. Because no matter how long you, get, you keep me down here, eventually I'm going to end, my life is going to end, and I'm going to come home. I said, but those people will go into hell for all eternity. That's how Jesus Christ thinks. You know you can only think like that when you start thinking like him. And sometimes you can only think like that when he starts running you through some things in life to break you, to get you to quit thinking about yourself and think about somebody else. Uh, go to 2430, Matthew 2430. 2430. <clears throat> he says, verse 20, and immediately after the tribulation, so you're, you know, you're talking in the future here, immediately after the tribulation uh, of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of, heaven, uh, of, of the heavens shall be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And uh, then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with the power and great glory. Uh, take your Bible, go to Revelation. We'll go to Revelation real quick. And man, see how fast this thing flies? Revelation 19. Boy, there's coming a day. There is coming a day. 19. Verse 11. And I saw the heaven, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon, uh, upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he did judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. 
And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And the armies which were in heaven, that's us, were in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed in, in, in fine linen, white and clean. He didn't ask you to kill nobody. Your clothes isn't dipped in blood. He's, he's going to solve the problem. His clothes are the one dipped in blood, not yours. I'm like, yeah, man. I said, we just get to watch. It's like watching a baseball game. And out, out of his mouth goeth a sharp uh, sword, uh, that with it he should smite the nations. That's the glory of God right there. Boy, Jesus comes back and the world's going to see him as he is. And he's just waiting. He's just waiting and trying to give everybody an opportunity and give them a chance. And even through the tribulation, give them a chance until that day comes out there. Because when it comes out there, it's, it's Katie bar the door. It's all over. Uh, there's some other verses. Second uh, Thessalonians 1.17 or uh, 1.7. This is where I'm going to stop. Promise. I'm lying, man. That's why Jerry wants to write that song. But I won't let him sing it in church. He'll have to make a CD and mail it to everybody. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10. He says, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, a resting that you have to have. Just, it's, there's nothing you can do about what's going to happen. Uh, you can be the great ambassador you're supposed to be. You can go out and try to tell people. Uh, you can say, Lord, put somebody in my path that I can tell. Give me somebody. Brother Steve was telling me about a guy that, and uh, maybe I'll have him give a testimony here in a second before we get out of here, about a guy that he, uh, he was out in his front yard doing some stuff, and he has a sign in his front yard, and a guy came up and started talking to him about a sign. Uh, God will send people in the strangest way around you to, to hear the gospel. All you have to do is do it. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That is Revelation 19. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them who know, that know not God and that, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, going to hell, man, and from the glory of his power. The glory of God is right there, man, when Jesus is revealed. The whole thing from Genesis all the way through was to get out here so he could actually have some people, us, to be with him for all eternity. Everybody else, they made their choice, go away. You had your opportunity. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for you. If you're in here tonight and you're saved, if I ask for a show of hands, you say, I'm saved. You know what he's looking for? You to rule and reign with him for all eternity. That's the whole purpose of this whole thing was you. That's how much he loved you. He went through all the stuff he did to get you into heaven. And your free will, your choices that you made mattered. And when he did that thing, he gave you him. <laughs> and you gave him the power to make you the sons of God. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Do pray that you'd uh, bless us as we head out on our, our way home. Lord, thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for becoming sin for us. Who knew no sin? Uh, Lord, that we could become the righteousness that there's no possible way we could ever do that. Uh, Lord, you have been a blessing to us and you have, you have cared for us. And you, uh, Lord, you loved us before we could ever love you. We love you because you first loved us. Uh, Lord, you died for us when there's no way we could have even known that you were going to do that. And then you revealed yourself to us in a way that, uh, Lord, you gave us the faith we needed uh, day by day until we got saved. Lord, what a blessing it is. Uh, thank you for the free will to make those choices. Uh, Lord, again, thank you for all you've done. Bless now. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Any questions at all?